A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little boys will always be little boys, won't they? I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. Jeez, great. What fun. <laughs> this week, we're talking to the creators of the Happy Pair Movement, Stephen and David Flynn. Sorry, how are you, Catherine? Lovely to meet you. Dave here. I'm sorry, that's Daisy. Daisy, 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 stop. But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. He's like a puppy dog, but he <laughs> loves making people feel good. Sometimes to his own detriment. Maybe calling him a half-ass would piss him off. Because growing up, dad used to call him Dave, you half-ass, because he'd half-finished jobs. So <laughs> I might actually get him going. And with the help of our sponsors, Find My Past, We'll be delving a little further back into the family history of all of our guests. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Amazing. Mom will be, she'll be tickled pink. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Catherine from Cambridge, where it's minus four, says, go do some chopping somewhere else. Right, so. There you are. Oh. You're not going to be able to hear what I'm saying. The Flynn twins, who sound very similar, were born in Canada but grew up in County Wicklow in Ireland. Joined at the hip until they were 18, the pair had to separate to find their true callings in life, which turned out to be to work together, bringing a plant-based eating and lifestyle revolution called the Happy Pair to the Emerald Isle. Now award-winning international cookbook writers, the pair start each day with a sunrise sea swim. We talk about that about self-discovery, people-pleasing, getting fired from your jobs in your teens, trying to nick each other's girlfriends, and we learn some Irish too. But Stephen started by explaining just how scientifically similar he is to his younger, by 15 minutes, twin brother. We were part of a twin study in University College Dublin, and they did um, a zygote test just to confirm were we identical or non-identical. I remember that day sitting with Dave going, oh my God, if we're non-identical, my whole, I'm going to have an existential crisis because <laughs> our whole life has been like that we're identical twins. And it turned out we were the most identical of all the twins uh, in the group. We were 99.9 recurring identical. So technically, like I have three kids and Dave has two kids or I'm the father of three children and Dave's the father of two children. But genetically, I'm the father of five children and he's the father of five children, which is kind of weird, but it's also kind of cool. So what was your reputation like as twins where you come from in Ireland? Because um, often twins seem to, um, yeah, have a reputation which might precede them. What was yours? Uh, Hard to know, given that you're the person in it. I guess you're seldom greeted as Stephen or David. You're greeted as which one are you or (laughs) Flynn twin. So it was seldom that you were an individual. But we were we were always kind of smiley, happy lads that were delighted to get involved in anything pretty much. And the two of us being identical twins, you're quite contained, like you're quite content in your own little friendship. You don't necessarily have a need to, you know, often when other friends were teenagers, they always kind of wanted to be with, in groups and that. But we naturally had our own group. So typically we wouldn't go out looking for friends. We'd kind of wait for them to come to us because we were 
we were fortunate there was two of us and that we got on so well that we were just content. I think people spend a lot of their lives looking for their their soulmate or that person to kind of almost complete them. And we came out knowing nothing else. Like we've always had complete support and complete, you know, no matter what was going on, if you had a problem, you just had to, I just had to call Steve and he was there with me no matter what. So you were never facing the world by yourself. Like even if someone, like we went to all boys schools and if someone hit you, you know, there'd be Steve right at the other side, like they'd have four fists coming at them. Like it was, you know, in the same way, if mom was given out to one of us, the other one would just instinctively, you know, associate and be on side with the other twin rather than mom. So it was, it's always given us a, a, a deep sense of security, I think, in the world. So your brother um, described your childhood as you two being quite happy lads who were up for getting involved in anything. What sorts of things did you get involved with when you, when you were kids where you lived? When we were kids, I think just playing on the street and playing curbsies and playing football and Gaelic football and rugby and hurling. And mum had us playing every ball game under the sun. So she just thought we were like wild dogs that just needed to be walked all the time. And exercise was that kind of just out playing ball games. Tennis, we played a ton of tennis as well. So it was it was really a lot of sport, you know, that was the the main outlet of our energy, I think. I think there's a special place in heaven for mums of three or more boys. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, we're four. So she's definitely, she's a powerhouse. She really, really is. It can be claustrophobic being close to a sibling or I've, I've not been a twin and you've not ever not been a twin, but it can feel claustrophobic, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds just happy. No, I think like anything in life, you can make the most of it or you can fight against it. And, you know, naturally there were moments when you were fighting against it where you really, you kind of wanted to just fit in and be the same as everyone else. But once you kind of lent into the fact that there was two of you, it kind of, to us, it was like a superpower. We went to an all boys school and typically if, if someone punched me, just the reflex would be there'd be two fists hitting the person that hit me. You know, the way it was just, it was a reflex that we defended each other, that we stood up for each other and that we were just, we were a fortress that you couldn't get into. So it was, it was fortunate. Like we, we were, we had a great laugh, really, really great laugh. And we were very, we were very content. So did you ever do the kind of Freaky Friday um, sort of 1990s film fun of swapping yourself in situations where your brother should have been or you could have been? Did you ever play tricks? Yeah, your whole life you were just, when people come up and chat and you didn't know who they are, you just carried on the conversation as though you were the other one. So it was like, it wasn't even something that you were consciously trying to do. You just realised that this is part of being a twin. You might as well keep the, have a bit of crack with it as we'd say, on this little island. Oh, we got fired from, I think, nearly all jobs. But like, we were totally unemployable as teenagers. There, there must be at least 10 jobs we were fired from. But one of them was in a hospital. I had a job as a kitchen porter. Dave got a job in a local hospital giving out the night teas. I'd go around giving tea and biscuits to people or whatnot. And I remember Stephen kind of throwing a bit of a strap going, it's, I want a job like that. Why do you get the job? And I was like, okay, well, I'll share it with you. And I didn't have work and he couldn't do Tuesdays. So he said, you couldn't do Tuesdays. And he, he kind of described the job for me and told me where it was <laughs> and told me who was who. There was no you know, cameras or phones or anything. So I just explained to him what I did and who the people were. And you know, he'd have to go in and I'd tell him he was meeting Mary and he'd to go in and meet Mary and pretend he was David and pretend he knew what he was doing. Like, and I went in the first night and I got away with it. It was great. And I didn't tell anyone. So I'd do Tuesdays and he would do Thursdays. And we did that for kind of a number of months. And we managed to make it through the first couple of months. And then at one stage, he just said, um, oh, you know, there's two of us. Like, do you know, like I'm Steve, I'm not Dave. 
And then one day the boss was in there and I was like, well, you know, I do Tuesdays and Dave does Thursdays. Like, you know, we're twins. And I kind of said it as though she was stupid. Like, why didn't you know that? And she couldn't get over it and she fired us both. And she was like, what? That's absolute lunacy. You're fired. You know, it was something to that degree anyway. And we got fired and it was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Grant, no bother. <laughs> sort of unfair, really. As an yeah. employer, I, I'd be like, this is brilliant. It's a two for yeah, the price was, of one, really. I thought it was cool. I made a great laugh and really enjoyed it. But yeah, we got fired. There was countless jobs we ended up getting fired from for similar reasons to that, you know. And also, I remember I had this girlfriend that um, she was uh, kind of like everyone wanted to be with her and Dave wanted to be with her. And I remember I was kind of dating <laughs> her and I was coming back from, I think I was at French class or something. And I was walking back. I was meant to meet her at Pat Flynn's at five o'clock and I was running a little late and I got down at about 10 past five. And Dave, Dave of course, happened to be going to the shop. And he met uh, this girl and uh, held her hand and was walking up the road, holding her hand. And I walk, come running up the road. And there he is trying to, trying to snog her there under the tree. It was like, Dave! <laughs> Poor girls. Like, I don't know who's tricking me. That could, they could be doing a double bluff right now. Uh, oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did. No, that was, that was a long time ago. But uh, yeah, I remember walking up the road holding his girlfriend's hand, which was kind of fun. And then... I think I was stopping to try to get a, a sneaky kiss and then he came running down the road and that was the end of it. So, but it was, uh, yeah, I think, I think what usually used to happen when we were like back as teenagers and dating and that kind of thing, it was a bit like dogs. One of us would kind of just say, uh, like, you know, we'd both kind of almost compete for their attention and one of us would get a little more attention and then the other one would go, right, it's yours. You go see if you can make it happen. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a really unedifying way of portraying yourself as a teenager or whether that's, might have given the girls that you were chasing like the best versions of you. I can't decide if that's awful or quite brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I think it was like I'm talking about in terms of dating, but it's, it's the same in everything. You know, when you meet people, there's two of you and you've been competing for your mother's love and attention and your friend's love and attention, and everyone's love and attention. So it's just interesting. It's a dance that happens every day in every form, just in different guises. And I guess we got good at that dance. And, you know, there's such a unique relationship being a twin because you can just play off one another and particularly on when you're doing TV stuff or radio stuff, like you, we don't even notice it, but you're just bouncing off one another and you can almost make one and one equal 10. And what um, role do you guys play in the family? Do you play a shared role or do you have separate roles? Both. So like you'd have the collective role of the lads, the twins. Um, uh, I think as twins, we've always been called the boys or the lads. So there's two of us and we're probably lightheartedness and gregarious. And we tend to be, you know, we add plenty of energy to any type thing. And us both being like me being the eldest, but the two of us being the eldest siblings, um, we kind of tended to, it, it was hard for our two younger brothers and that, that we were kind of like, like a, a, a big oak tree with which cast a large shadow. There was two of you and you looked the same and you were both loud and confident and you were, it, it it was a tough act in, in lots of ways for our brothers. Oh, you're the lad's brother, you know, this type of thing. Uh, so there, there was a challenge in that. And then in terms of us as individuals in the family, um, because I kind of took on the mantle of being the eldest and maybe it was simply because I knew I was 15 minutes older, but typically I would have carried more responsibility or more duty, whereas Dave more kind of did what he wanted to do. Which is ironic because if you think about identical twins, like I think it's a fabricated societal idea of one is older than the other because you're both conceived at the exact same time. Like the zygote splits and you're two separate eggs that like it's just one literally comes out earlier than the other one. So mm. amazing that that could come down to literally 15. who had wiggled their way into a certain position. 
and, and, and like, you wonder, like, is it simply because I knew it? Did I adopt it? Or was it just, or what was it? Because my wife's a clinical psychologist and she'll often talk about placement in the family, how it literally affects the roles with which one plays in the family. And I wonder, was it the fact, the nurturing that I was told that I was at, the eldest one, so I kind of carried the mantle or was it just simply because I was? You know, we've had this idea our whole life that Steve's the elder twin, yet I can be the one that's minding him more emotionally or I'll be the one that's, you know, the way sometimes it's the, sometimes the quieter one can actually be the one that can nurture the other one in a different way that happens underneath the water, if you know what I mean. Oh, for sure. Like more at the depth, like Stephen will appear like he's the leader because he's, you know, he'll often be louder or, you know, bigger or heavier or whatever. But then when things come down to it, I think quite often, I can be the leader without him. And, and it wouldn't be, no, we wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't even acknowledge it. Well, still waters run deep, don't they say? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I've got more of that going on than he does. And me as an individual, um, I'm probably a good listener. You know, I tend to be a, a good listener, particularly our mothers, as you said, a mother of four boys is a powerhouse. So she's incredibly powerful in many ways. And sometimes her and Stephen can clash because they both have similar strong personalities whereas I'm better at listening I can just sit there and let her emotions just wash over me and there's no problem mm. it's so interesting and your wife would yeah. know as well that your role in the family is not that obvious outside of the family so if you're in the wider social circles people wouldn't know if you were the joker or the responsible one or the organized one or the baby it's often only when you go you know when you go back home you take your partner back home for christmas and you revert to being 14 years old and you know that yeah yeah totally in the wider world they might not know that you're the 15 minute older duty bound um twin it's so it's fascinating to me it sort of means so much and so little at the same time it's a oh, i'd say paradox. you learn so much from this just about placement of family and the roles and just oh yeah oh god yeah and how much of your identity is in you and how much of your identity is in your twinship? Um, in our early 20s, we had to learn how it was to be an individual. Like we, we, went, we went to school, all boys school together, and we used to sit beside each other. And, you know, we were joint at the hip pretty much all the way through secondary school. We had both applied for the same course, but I didn't get enough points. So I had to go to a different university with my tail between my legs. And it was weird. It was honestly like, because we had grown up to that age of being 18, where we were literally, you know, sitting beside one another and same peer groups. And we were just called Flint Twin. Um, and that was our identity. It was like, we really didn't know what it was like being an in individual. And I even remember the feeling like when we were with our friends at that stage, if I was by myself, I would have felt like almost like a slight bit of a phony because I wasn't, you. I just wasn't comfortable of being an individual. I remember after about a month in college, no one knew I was an integral twin and Dave came in and they meant people that stopped Dave to chat with Dave. And then when they saw the two of us together, it was just like, oh my God, they're two of you. Wow. It was quite like quite a trippy moment. You know, the way you got a clone. Oh my God. <laughs> but it was, it was quite liberating in lots of ways. And at the same way, I think being a twin, you've always had this safety blanket or this crutch or this, you never really had to make an effort because you always had someone there that understood you and that would support you through any of your crazy ideas. And suddenly you were here on your own. So you were a little bit exposed, a little isolated. It was strange. It was, it really took quite a while to get used to. And I, I, I probably, I'm not sure if I ever got used to it because after that, then we went traveling, but separately, but during that period, I, I remembered it was like almost 
feeling like you were missing an arm or something. And it was really strange. And at the same time, they were a party, even if they weren't there. So there was, there was that juxtaposition of feeling like they were with you, even though they weren't. And then at the same time, feeling a little exposed and vulnerable. Even though it was strange and maybe you never got used to it because look, you've chosen lives together now. Are you glad you had the experience? Definitely. Yeah. So glad. And it's it's really interesting being a twin because it's only now in later years when you're you're more comfortable in yourself, like we're 43 now. And definitely I feel that I'm I'm more comfortable myself that I don't need to be the same as Stephen. And I'm comfortable enough in myself. Like whereas up until I'd say five years ago, we would have always like constantly wanted to be the exact same and be seen the same. And that was just part of it. I can't remember your question again. And I don't know why I went to this <laughs> rant, but. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Cause that's interesting. I've not um, ever heard a twin kind of reflect on what happens to most of us in our midlife. Like my friend said, it's like you run out of fucks basically to give <laughs> in midlife. Yeah. You sort of, you, you know, you think I might've had more dinners than I'm going to have. So what am I going to do with this one wild and precious life? I better be true to myself and make the most of it and who cares but I've never heard twins reflect on that yeah and my reflection on it is that like we're both social creatures that you know we know lots of people and we're kind of like we've always loved people so you'd often have that expression oh I met the happy one or I met the really cheerful one or I met the really gregarious one or whatever and it's kind of interchangeable of who it is and we've both kind of always been pleasers in our lives like I don't know if we still are but I've certainly noticed in the last number of years, I'm a lot more comfortable at n- not needing to be that version or not needing to be that person or being kind of going, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I don't mind if someone says I'm the quieter twin or if I'm the more reflective twin or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm quite happy with him. I don't feel I need to please people as much. So I think maybe that's come only in the last number of years where, where I feel like I'm okay. I don't need to be the shinier twin, if you know what I mean. I'm quite happy pulling mm. back nearly, if you know what I mean, which is which has been only an observation I've noticed as of recent. This season of Relatively is sponsored by Find My Past, the online home of the 1921 census. They say history repeats itself and there are certainly some surprising similarities between the early 1920s and today. The world had suffered a global Spanish flu pandemic and new technologies were disrupting the workplace. It was also a time of huge societal change as women started to make the most of their hard-won rights. Will you find a remarkable parallel between your life and the lives of your grandparents? Find out in the 1921 census, exclusively available online at findmypast.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
So your life has been one of um, transformation, really. Your first period apart at university was then kind of repeated. You went to South Africa, didn't you? And Stephen went to Canada? Yeah, I went to go be a golf pro in South Africa. It was January 2001. And Steve went off to Canada to go be a snowboard instructor. And it was, he had left with the idea saying, he said, I'm going, I'm getting a one-way ticket to Canada and I'm not coming back until I'm happy. And I told Dave, you're not coming with me. And off he went to Canada and I went off to South Africa. And it was the first time we'd ever been away by ourselves. I went to Whistler in Canada and I happened to be living in an apartment with a fellow that was a vegetarian. I remember being fascinated. What do you eat? Like, whoa, what's like, what's brown rice or quinoa or barley or like. Chickpeas. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. This is back then when a chickpea was weird. At least like, you know, you would, you could re- recollect, like I remember growing up, pasta was weird. Like I remember yeah. when pasta, like age 10, trying pasta for the first time going, whoa, this is mad. I mean, I could insert a joke about potatoes here, but I won't do it. I won't. (laughs) No, go for it. it. Go for it. (laughs) I mean, I've done it now. I've done it. You know what I was going to say. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, in essence, we did um, decide to become vegetarian at the same time at separate parts of the world. And I think there was seeds planted before that inside of ourselves that there must be more to life beyond the, you know, get a job, make money, buy a house, get married, retire, you know, that kind of story, which we're all told. I guess we both set off separately on these journeys of self-discovery and what else life had an offer. And it took us in all sorts of different ways that we didn't expect. You know, we ended up both becoming vegan and plant-based and we gave up alcohol and we spent time on meditation centers. And it was very much, we had changed from these two rugby playing, pint swilling, meat eating jocks who were, you know, these kind of like we used to do modeling. So we really were that kind of American you know, cheesy character. And then we had gone away and we had this total transformation. And then we came back as these two completely different people. And we had long hair and plaid pants and frilly shirts. And Steve used to paint his fingernails and we were starting a vegetable shop. So people thought we were, we'd really lost the plot. (laughs) So Irish football, Gaelic football, rugby playing, pint swilling, Stephen and David, if you'd said when you're 43 years old, you know, you'll be doing podcasts and newspaper interviews and you'll be explaining how you you know, you have your quinoa um, and kale and your smoothies and your dawn swims and your yoga. What do you think you would have thought of that? No way. You got the wrong people. There's <laughs> no way we we would have ever seen this turn in the tide. I remember always telling mom, mom, I'm going to marry a lady who like wears skirts all the time and stilettos. <laughs> all this type of thing. <laughs> like this, this, like Of course it was. <laughs> and maybe another good way to think of it is we grew up in a very kind of male orientated um, environment. Mm. And I think moving away allowed us to get in touch more with our feminine side to actually consider what we ate and how we live I remember before like we were kind of just started our journeys of separation and exploration and we were with Crean and Porg that's my dad's sister in Canada in Niagara on the lake and Porg goes so what like what are you doing this journey and you jokingly said it's a journey of self-discovery that's you you joked and you said of taking the piss totally in jest like as in just to give an answer to shut him up but and you said it in this funny tone like as in ha and everyone was left going not sure what that means (laughs) But it was kind of the truth. Yeah. Um, and we were only 24, you know, we were 24 when we started this, the, the Happy Pairs event shop, which is completely entwined with our twinness as well. So, <laughs> And so do you think you would have been brave enough to do what you've done with that decision in terms of building a business and opening cafes and make a whole life and a business and a, an existence out of that had you not 
or the other way around had he not come in it with you and you with him? Would you have been brave enough? In terms of starting the business, absolutely not. Like we needed each other. It was, I was watching recently an interesting talk where a guy was saying, it's not the first person that's the most important for a movement. It's the second person. Because when the one person is on their own, they're weird, they're odd, they're strange. But it's suddenly there's two of them. There's a movement. There's something happening. Like we'll always kind of use the analogy that no matter what happens, there'd still be two of us just skipping down the road going, what do we do next, Dave? You know, or what's going on? Like, because... If we didn't start the happy pair, we would have found some other game. Like our perspective on life has always been about game and play. Some other game to play that would have, you know, that was work that led to money. And that I guess when you're having fun, things can often snowball. And, you know, our, our adventure, 18 year adventure in the happy pair. It's, I, I guess we're in our 19th year now. But um, yeah, I, I think without him, who knows? I think we both would have been very different people. I don't want to make too much about sort of sense of place as well, but um, the first episode in this series of Relatively is with Catelyn Moran and her sister Kaz, um, who come from Wolverhampton, a council estate there, and they've gone on to be huge. And they were home educated, basically. They watched telly for five years when they wow. were kids. And she went on to be this, you know, award-winning, incredible journalist, broadcaster, TV presenter, writer. Um, but a lot of them, their attitudes, or a lot of their life is about sort of what shaped them in terms of where they were born and then how they sort of got out from underneath that and then how they relate back to it. And I get from your story that I don't want to sort of typecast the whole of Ireland, but you've said both of you, it's quite masculine. It was quite drinking culture. It was quite this, it was quite that. You sort of had to go away and then come back. You perhaps couldn't have done it where you were. Yeah, I think totally. It really was freeing ourselves of the pressures and the of what we perceived as the pressures and the expectations of who we thought we should be. And then it was only from going away that we were able to cut those cords. And I think being identical twins to return and comp- it probably united us much deeper in the fact that we now had changed and we had, we had someone else to protect us from all these people that would have been going, what? You don't drink and you're a vegan. What kind of a weird, you know, like I, I think that that would have copper fastened our own, relationship hugely because we now had it was literally two of us with you know getting people to to kind of come on board with what we were doing and I guess over time it's changed completely you know. I wonder um, how you would describe given that you share 99.9% of your zygotes or whatever it was um, how you would describe his character because I'm presuming you're not identical in your characters. Uh, we're very similar in so many ways. Dave, Dave's kind, gentle, assertive, um, gregarious, loves people, loves having a laugh. And there's a real depth to Dave when he'll spend time in his own. He'll like pondering the deeper aspects of life, you know, what gives him meaning. Mm. Um, Yeah, Dave's the best. And what about your brother's character then? If there is, um, you know, a piece of paper to put between you, how is he different? He's like a puppy dog. So he, <laughs> he he's like a puppy. He loves making people feel good. Sometimes to his own detriment because he's, you know, he's the pleasing thing. He's got more than me. He's the most creative person I know. Like he's just so creative and he's he's got boundless energy. And uh, yeah, he's really, he's a force for good in the world. He's a powerhouse that just storms along and brings joy to people's lives like he really does he's an amazing amazing man he really is so um yeah I feel very fortunate to be his twin so um on this podcast we're really interested in and we've talked a lot about so far 
the nuclear family, so your mum and your dad and your brothers and your sisters and the family stories that that contains. But my sponsors for the podcast are Find My Past, the family history experts, and they're interested in family stories sort of stretching way back when. And they've looked into your family history as part of this episode, which I'm holding in my hand now. How exciting. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and it is, it, it can be dun, 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 or it can be quite small, but quite moving. And I think the details in this you'll love. I won't read it all out, it'll take forever, but I'll send it all over to you. Um, so I'm going to talk about your great grandfather, David Flynn. You probably know a little bit about him. No. So he was a grocer, just like you. And he came from a family of farmers and seemed to have, by all accounts, a successful career. His daughter, Evelyn Hart, who's your grandma, you must know a little bit about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she was a very keen Amdram participant. Did you know this? No, no. Jeez, that's amazing. (laughs) So she was a participant. She used to take part at the, I'm going to say all this wrong, Bundoran dramatic. Bundoran, yeah, yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah. Wow, good detail. (laughs) In the 1930s, before she married, she was took part in two productions. I just love this so much. One of them, The Hook in the Harvest, and the other one, The Leaden Road to Donegal. And she played piano in the concert that followed. This was not the records show the first time they performed The Leaden Road to Donegal. However, a few months earlier, Evelyn and others were taken to court by the author for copyright infringement. And there's an article from the Belfast Telegraph, 22nd of February, 19... 19- 33 and there's a cutting as well i'll send on to you that they My must have <laughs> god that's mom's mom like that's evie yeah. like that was our daughter our nana there you go because i think line. on the other side on dad's side there was dad's great grandfather was a grocer had a shop as well somewhere in pier street so i think there's grocers coming on both sides so. he was a gambler as well. i think he was a gambler and all sorts of things so oh the it really really them. is wow mom will be should be tickled pink. Um, and wow. finally, what could you do to wind um, David up if you had to kind of push his buttons and and kind of really piss him off instantly for fun or not? What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Traditionally, you could do any type of a macho bribe would work, but Dave's kind of been working on his softer side recently. So I don't know if the macho bribe would necessarily work. He might snap to it initially, but then he'd laugh at himself. Um Maybe calling him a half-ass would piss him off. Because growing up, he used to be called, dad used to up and call him Dave, you half-ass, because he'd half-finished jobs. So maybe there's still a bit of a scar in there that that might, that might actually, you know, <laughs> that might actually get him going. Find out in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so good, Dave. I think I've changed. I think I've, ch- I think I've focused on that one over. Do you, uh, during my more reflective periods, I've changed that component of myself i would say so um i, I don't think that would press my buttons as you're much a whole as it ass now um, <laughs> i am who i am and if you had to wind Stephen up like push his buttons for fun or just to annoy him or you were having a little bit of an argument where could you go what what would you say that would get him annoyed instantly ah oh, you'd number one you'd tell him he's just trying to please people he doesn't like <laughs> to think that he pleases people all the time even though he definitely does. <laughs> and, uh, and then the other one, I'd probably just tell him he can't do something. Like he's, he kind of can rise to the alpha. Like he likes to be the alpha, which is kind of funny because if, if I'm eating something, he'll ne- nearly always take a bite of it. And it's just to say, hey. It's like an animal. <laughs> oh, it is. It's like, what's yours is mine too. Just so you know that, Dave, I am the alpha. And it's kind of funny. Like it's, and I'll joke with him about it. 
Um, but he has that kind of almost like alpha type thing. So if you tell him he can't do it or tell him like, there's no way, like, you know, and then that'll kind of get him going as well. You know, it's easy. You won't be able to jump over that wall, Steve. <laughs> what? Of course I could. You know, it might, mightn't get him going, but it, it uh, it's just funny. It's easy to press his buttons in that sense. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't fall for those type of things. Or else, or else saying that you're a pleaser. Oh. Yeah, 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 of course. Sure. I think it's innate to be liked, is it not? You think it's what? Innate in all humans to be liked. You know, I think it's, you know, evolutionary. It was useful skill to have, is it not, for our own survival? I think I it think is. And I think, you yeah. know, we talk these days, don't we, as modern as modern people doing our work in inverting commas, of having healthy boundaries and blah, 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 and not being pleasers. But actually, I think some of that overlooks the value of charm. And actually... Mm. Charm is a very underrated, old-fashioned, brilliant skill to have. Mm, yeah. yeah, I agree. My one caveat to that would be that sometimes pleasing others at the expense of yourself, oftentimes it can, like, to the to the furthest degree, it can be you're pleasing others at the expense of yourself, and sometimes it can be disingenuine because you're, you know, you're countering your own feelings or whatever and just really trying to make the other person feel good. Sure. And it can be deeply manipulative as well at the other end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, I read that you speak tons of languages. I wonder, as it's a new year, whether in Irish you could wish everybody who listens to relatively and their brothers and sisters a happy new year, please. Oh, fortunately in you are gock dinner. Yeah, because Tosulagum Gwilan Gwilan Blian Gahalin Air Fada because um we love Irish. Brilliant. Askelga in Irish. Thank you to Stephen and David, and thank you too for listening. Cat yeah. and you're deadly. I put de- deadly means good in Irish. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, Find My Past, who are offering you the chance to start your family tree for free. Head to findmypast.co.uk to find out more. That's findmypast.co.uk. Enormous thanks as well to Tanita Tickerham for letting us use this amazing song. Additional research this season by Rachel Oakes and sound design, as always, by Nick Carter at mixonics.com. We'll be back next week with more sibling stories to share. Steve. Hello, hello, Catherine. Yes, I can't tell. I can't tell you. Yeah. This is about. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, that works out perfect. It's even more fun. There's a good tradition of love and hate. Staying by the fireside, there's a good tradition of love and hate. Staying by the fireside, another rain may fall. Your father's calling you, you still feel safe inside. Although your ma's too proud, your brother's ignoring you, you still feel safe inside. Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time, this didn't do
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 